Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Diversity and inclusion is something that actually matters. It's not just something you say you do. You have to know how to make it happen practically. My guest today, Furkan Karyal, will teach you how to do that inside your organization. Let's get ready for a fascinating and in-depth chat on this topic. Furkan, hello, welcome. It is great to have you back on the Fireside with BoxGig podcast, talking about all things uh, developer relations and diversity and inclusion and all that sort of stuff. I think we spoke pre-COVID. Um, so just for our audience, let's, let's rewind right back to the start. Um, tell us what you do um, and uh, how you got there. But let's start with what you do. Sure. Thank you so much for this kind uh, introduction and invitation again, Richard. I'm super delighted to be here for the second time. And oh, well, when did we left? It's been ages since last we spoke. So uh, for the people who haven't heard about our first episode, my name is Furkan Kareyal. Uh, I'm a, an ex-software engineer who turned five years ago to a diverse and inclusion industry. <laughs> and uh, since then, we are providing diverse and inclusion solutions that is authentic and action-oriented for organizations. And my story actually started 15 years ago, almost. I started working in a multinational tech company and I changed the companies during this time as well. Now I've seen that women were always in minority. That was a big thing for me and very frustrated. And on the other side, women in the leadership and with different ethnic backgrounds in the leadership positions of tech companies didn't even exist at all. So yeah. that's where my story started and I started my own company and that's where everything actually flow later on and the company is uh, diverse in right That's, yes yeah. diverse in.com yes okay so so what does the company actually do right so who hmm. let's say you have a completely new client mm -hmm. how did they decide to um engage with your services and what's the yeah walk us through what do you what like what's the what do you do in day one and week one and what's the end result First of all, they approach to us either from LinkedIn or from our website or from my own personal website for Kankareal.com as well. And this is the first thing I ask, like, how did you find out about us? <laughs> because this is very interesting. They either heard me speaking at some other events or somebody recommended our services to them, or maybe they come across to our website on Google that we provide services about diverse inclusion, then they want to get to know a little bit more about it. Later on, we talk with the, the client of getting an understanding what do they do in in uh, in general in the in the market, which sector and how many people they are working with them and where they are based, and uh, do they have you know diversity and what do they, how do they define diversity within their terms and where they would like to go next. So this is very important for us to get an understanding what they are trying to achieve. And if they have a strategy in place, where does our trainings and uh, our solutions would fit into their uh, model? 
So on the other side, you also get an understanding of like what is the uh, company values because some companies are uh, very new companies. Maybe they don't have uh, value structures or uh, values set yet. On the other side, larger companies mostly have worked towards their company cultures already and they already have a large a number of employees and they are trying to first of all the first question is for Khan we would like to get our team more inclusive that is actually one of the most uh, asked question to me they say that we have a very diverse team in terms of culture in, in, in terms of ethnicity way of thinking and and so on but we would like to focus on inclusion now the second thing i'm hearing is Furkan, uh, we believe our company is doing great in terms of diverse inclusion but we would like to work with our leaders how they can enhance their understanding of inclusion and also become role models in this and third we are also getting like how can we actually start from diverse and inclusion, you know, from the beginning, we are just at the very beginning of the journey. Yes, we kind of have a little bit of diversity in many different ways, but we'd like to do like, what are the um, focus areas for us should be on diverse and inclusion or what is the first step and priority? So these are normally the questions that I'm getting. Based on this, we either work with them on uh, trainings, or uh, depends on the programs they have. It could be a part of a keynote speech we deliver or interactive sessions with their leaders to get a better understanding of them. What do they normally do on their day-to-day -day basis and activities and how they can embed inclusion onto their activities really, because it changes. It depends on like every day's life is like if if I go to work uh, physically if I'm working at home so there are so many elements to um our everyday life and routine and we are giving practical examples on uh inclusion in a practical way and how can they actually expand this within their teams and also become role models in um uh, in this space so and later on what it looks like we either in person or virtually we deliver um, a, a workshop for them or sometimes it's in a form of a program we design a program for them for inclusive leadership program for example and we have one-on-one -on -one conversations with the leaders or with the uh, with the boardroom or with the employees to get a better understanding what is the ideal scenario for inclusion, what they would like to actually see and the practical steps that they can all embed maybe one little step uh, every day that will hopefully make a change uh, throughout the years. So I have uh, I have one question, which I'm a little bit embarrassed to ask, but maybe you've heard it before. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I've kind of in my head, my own mental model of diversity and inclusion, it's kind of the same thing, right? But it's two different words. And you just mentioned, you kind of highlighted the first part of your what you were saying there, that companies are saying, we feel we've got diversity, but we, we haven't really addressed inclusion. So what is the difference? 
Mm -hmm. Well, I define diversity and inclusion like this, and there's so many definitions out there, which is perfect. And I think the most resonating one with you is the best for you. That's why it should, the definition should come from you. And I have a very simple answer. Diversity is you because you are unique. Inclusion mm -hmm. is accepting you because you matter. In another words, if we unpack it, diversity is be building a balanced, uh, building a balanced harmony from our differences. And inclusion is seeing everyone as unique and valued piece of these differences. Ah, uh, okay, yes. So it's not so much. Um... It's, you can have diversity, you can have lots of different people from lots of different places in your company, but they might be unhappy because they're not feeling included. Absolutely. So it's, it's not just enough to have the numbers. You've yes, got to it's... actually have the practice as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about all uh, about the numbers. And it's, it's all about um, are we being accepted? Are we being psychologically safe in the space? Can we be become the person who we are actually outside of work in this space is my vo voice is being counted here and valued as much as the other person in uh, who is sitting next to me and uh, then can i be productive in this space because when these things are not happening of course we can't be as productive as as our maximum level and then you know, in today's world, the employee engagement is one of the biggest issue. And it's around 13. And during the pandemic, it has changed. But between 13 to 15% overall employee engagement rate within the organizations. And look how big gap yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, and how little impact can have a huge results in, uh, in, in the workplace in terms of like productivity. This all feeds into... You know, the bottom line, it makes better money, it makes um, better revenue for the organization. So it's no brainer not to invest into getting an understanding what makes people to be accepted. In yeah, this. it's a big, it, it, it's, it, it has a big impact. Um, I, I, I wonder, do, I mean, the companies that are coming to you pr probably have some understanding that they have challenges or they need to get better. Um. But it's very easy not to know that you have a problem. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've worked with uh, engineers, um, let's say, you know, junior engineers over the years, and I've done this many times. So I apologize to everybody that I've done this to, where <laughs> I thought I was I was being encouraging and giving good feedback and helping somebody to grow. Uh, but it turns out they were really unhappy and they thought I wasn't giving them the, the respect. Uh, now, I mean, partly that's probably uh, a management failure on my part or failure to spend enough time with them or something like that. But the essence of what I'm asking here is I thought I was doing okay. Mm -hmm. And do you find that there are organizations that think they're inclusive, but they're actually just on step one? For the ones who approached me, they definitely want to do something better. Mm. That's why they approach to me anyway. But there are so many, you know, organizations out there who, who they think that that's not their priority or they think that they are doing a good job. They're on the right path. And, uh, you know, it's either a complete journey already for them. That is a very, very common case. Can I ask you a follow-up question, Richard? Yeah, sure. And how did you find out 
the uh, overall results could that is an interesting one well uh, in, in some cases very badly because the person left right and you know the you know mm -hmm. the old saying where they say like people don't leave organizations they leave managers mm -hmm. right um yeah. uh in, in other cases, um, you know, maybe there were there were uh, there were conversations, or maybe the person moved to a different part of the organization. Um, but the, the the issue with the, the issue, I guess, is once you get to that stage where someone has felt excluded, it's almost impossible mm -hmm. to fix, right? Because the trust yeah. uh, structure is kind of gone. Broken, it doesn't matter yeah. even if you even if you recognize it. Even even mm -hmm. if you if, even if you try to put things in in place, it's it's almost impossible to repair, and that relationship is broken. It is. It is. Thanks for openly sharing this, Richard, because these are the moments that you know. If you maybe uh, realized it a little bit earlier, or anybody that that the story could have a different ending. So that's why yeah. what we are actually suggesting everyone to have that a little bit. Um, a mechanism that will let people to give regular feedbacks and a genuine feedback because people, once people give feedbacks, that means that they would like it to be resolved. It's not something like that. I don't say anything that means that I'm close to any uh, interaction from you that I'm, and I'm ready to leave as soon as I can. So feedback is positive or negative. It, it is a good thing eventually. Yeah. And... Uh, it's not about the people. It's about the uh, the systems with that we set for uh, people to be able to see that open uh, vulnerability door. I call it vulnerability door open, so that they can actually go through it. One example uh, to this: last year, I was in a tube in uh, in London, mm. and I've seen a message was very clearly saying that we won't tolerate hate crime. So yeah, the message is yeah, very I, I clear. The, I one. think I saw the one. Yeah, yeah. We have very similar ones in Dublin here now as well. And then I what I liked about it is they don't only leave it there, but they they also have um a text number. Anybody who feels that being uh treated or uh violating the statement can actually easily just text a number. So same thing applies to us as well in terms of teams for individuals, for organizations as well. Do we have a clear statement is the first thing uh, I'm asking. And the second thing is, if we do, do we have a communication channel or, or email or a text message or phone that people right. can actually anonymously mm. bring up things, maybe something very simple that bothers people uh, but maybe it is something that occasionally needs to be changed. And for most cases, if we are if we are aware of these things, we are more likely to get changed. But it's all about having that door open so that these things comes in easily. And then uh, it doesn't matter where the command is coming from, but we see that, oh, that's a, an issue. That's not the problem for me. I can easily change that thing. So uh, my book is actually including a lot of stories like this, that if a communication yeah. channel was there, so many things helped. could have changed. We, we don't have the we don't have the, the time, of course, on, on a short podcast to get into a, a whole lot of the practical stuff. But you have written a book. 
right? Yes. Inclusive intelligence. Uh, since we last spoke, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I have to, because I've written one or two as well, and it was awful, painful, horrible experience. Oh, <laughs> How did you find writing? Easy. How did you find writing? <laughs> well, the writing piece, I'm going to say, um, uh, it's a difficult job if you write it on laptop. For me, writing on paper was an easier one because oh, I just okay. didn't, I didn't right. let my, um, my brain to autocorrect each time whatever that sentence I'm I'm writing. So Interesting. Was, okay, you just have yes. to write it. Go. Okay. I had to oh. just write it. Do you have good handwriting though? <laughs> oh well, you can, if you can judge from here. It's better than mine. Okay. It's better than mine. It's better than mine. <laughs> kind of okay. <laughs> um, and once I finished my uh, my uh, manuscript, it took me one and a half years to find a publisher. It was even harder than writing it. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's because, I mean, okay. So this is the podcast about developer relations, and that's sort of. A little bit annoying because uh, diversity and inclusion is an important value in doing developer relations properly, right? The developer advocates in a company are representatives of the company and representatives of the company's values. Um, again, this is this is interesting, right? Because I'm on the inside, right? We're we're looking at ourselves as developer relations people, and we think we're doing pretty okay. I mean, I don't know how well we're actually doing. I feel it's better than most of the rest of tech but um at least at least a recognition of the values are there part of the reason i i invited you on to talk again was the book because um there are a lot of books for developer advocates about marketing to developers measuring developer relations activity right giving giving uh, conference talks i think the last time you were on we spoke about public speaking as well mm -hmm. techniques for doing it well um but i think that the diversity and inclusion aspect uh is another important tool effectively for developer advocates to have and to understand um because they can affect a lot of change mm -hmm. um and i i really i mean are, are there other similar books uh I don't know of any, actually. Oh, perhaps thanks I haven't for gone saying and, this. Perhaps I haven't gone. Perhaps I haven't <laughs> looked very hard. But specifically, well, specifically around our industry and based, you know, written by a former coder, right? Which mm -hmm. in a way gives it. It shouldn't, maybe, but it does give it legitimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, there are so many books that previously, before I write it, I wanted to read. What else is there? Because if I see maybe seventy or eighty percent of my message was included in a book i wasn't bothered writing any book because uh to me that is important that there is a resource there uh there are so many uh, great books about diversity and inclusion and especially um uh, women in tech who turn to uh diverse and inclusion world as well but uh, i think i had a different story to tell and on the other side my uh research on working with global leaders who demonstrated inclusive leadership skills and their stories needed to be captured in 
in this format, I believe. So that was the motivation for me. There's so many new ones, like every single day I see a new yeah. book. Um, one coming up as well. I can't remember the name of the book it was just like published today on a post, but it is going to be available uh, early next year. Um, maybe I shouldn't mention because well, I don't remember. You know what they say about startups, right? If you have competition, it's good. It means there's demand, yes, right? Yes. Well, I don't see it as in a competition. It all adds a no. different perspective. So that's why they are very, you know, stronger. The more you read, the more you collaborate with uh, within each other because you have the same mission for inclusion. So if somebody works in inclusion, they makes my job easier for for me when I come next. For example, this is how I I, I see it, uh, and I'm absolutely delighted to work with so many different diversity experts in this field when you are providing solutions i'm not actually alone i have a team of uh, experts in this field that according to the project we partner with one or two of them to deliver because you know collective voice is even stronger than one voice yeah uh i suppose that maybe there isn't enough time yet to tell but do you feel that the companies that you've worked with or companies that have prioritized these issues have better profits i mean let's get down yeah this is this mm -hmm. is about business ultimately right so yes I, of course one should do it because it is a good thing of, mm -hmm. in and of itself right for humanity but from a business perspective you have to ask these other questions, right? Okay, does it does it does it mm -hmm. does it, yes. does it lead to better profit margins? Yes. Well, research shows that it does, yeah. and our company is not focusing on you know uh, measuring the uh, financial impact of it. To be honest, uh, but look, if one person who is not happy in the workplace that feels like not accepted and included. Are they go how long are they gonna stay in there? So they're not gonna stay there. The retention rate will be lower. And to replace one talent, well, one talent in tech depends on their seniority level. It takes about like fifty thousand uh, dollar to replace yeah. one talent. So imagine if one or two people are leaving because of the same reason. How big impact just to even replace one talent? And especially if those talents seniority and their impact to the team is big. So that gives me a very clear message that the longer people stay in that team, the organization, the better revenue they are making. So yeah. yeah. I mean, we 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 I haven't done any proper studies, but we work with a lot of uh, a lot of different companies at, at, at every level from from startups to medium-sized companies to um, large multinationals. Uh, and I have a few clients in particular where the people working there have been there for five, six, seven, ten 10 years. Mm -hmm. And the, when you interact with those companies, um, you can definitely pick up that the, the, the people have... Uh, feeling of safety in their work mm -hmm. psychological safety which you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. you don't stay in a company for 10 years if you're unhappy yes right people yeah. people leave and i mean uh those companies were giving me business so they were doing okay so 
that's my <laughs> attic data for you i think yes but I, but I think if somebody is working a company for 10 years they have so much institutional knowledge mm-hmm. they're replacing somebody who has worked somewhere for 10 years that's not fifty thousand. that's that's 500 000. more than that definitely and let's actually uh, differentiate between you know staying in an organization like for 10 years in two scenarios okay because to me it's important because mm. it doesn't always give us that oh this is a good place to work one for example working in small towns let's say outside of dublin so maybe there is not much employers within their skills that so they end up staying in that and maybe yeah. they found that they have you know they bought their house the school the kids are going to schools and everything so for some people it's convenient as they well that to, they yeah. don't they have to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but the number of people what are the percentage of those people who stay there longer and then are they always in the same role or because if you stay in the same comfort zone too much it gets boring and it's not productive as well so it's about that what percent of people who stay there long i think it's yeah. a uh, metric yeah i mean it, it, so that is definitely an aspect the company that i'm thinking of in particular is based in a large uh, north american city so i think people stay there by choice uh, very good which is a good good reflection on that company uh, you mentioned earlier, as part of your engagement, you talk to leadership. So, I mean, mm-hmm. here's an interesting question, right? Because I've seen this happen in other contexts where the leadership hire in somebody external with particular mm-hmm. domain expertise, and they're like, okay, go fix my problem. I don't want to know about it. Just here's the money, go fix the problem. Uh, but you mentioned leadership training as well, which mm-hmm. I would identify as being kind of the most important part of your job, right? Is to get the the leadership uh on board with with all of these issues because you can put up all of the posters and notices you like but if it's not if it's not practiced it doesn't it doesn't Mm -hmm. help it uh, as well do you want to i mean obviously you can't talk about any specifics right but do you want to talk about some of your experiences trying to get business leaders (laughs) uh from a to b and the challenges sure. and, and what, what approaches, I mean, I, I suppose the usefulness of this question is for people inside organizations to maybe gently guide their leadership in the mm-hmm. right way. Sure. First of all, uh, if we work with a large organization, so sometimes within their one department, let's say marketing department that yeah. we are working on. So... Uh, that person doesn't necessarily have approach to us so maybe they don't they don't believe in the benefits of diverse and inclusion so this is big challenge and then um, for them to open up in the conversation is something really you need to build that trust within them and uh, these things are happening all the time because even the organization says that, oh, we are very diverse, we are inclusive, we are doing every single thing and we are investing a lot of money into it, but maybe they have 30% of their managers who doesn't give any value into it. Yeah. And in these type of scenarios, uh, my conversation in the keywords doesn't include a lot of diverse inclusion, to be honest. So what I'm talking about is what are their 
uh, goals at the end of, for example, months or uh, weekly? What are their targets? So if I know their targets that, let's say, they they want to make this amount of um, lead by the end of the month and things like this. So the key matrix, once I learn about it, I can easily translate it to, you know what? Investing into this, this, this doesn't necessarily, the keywords have to be inclusion and diversity would have a huge impact in uh, either in your research, in your sales uh, results or uh, making the leads or having somebody who speaks the same language uh, in your team who delivers to that country and giving examples. It. Yeah, it's a very practical approach, right? You're aligning it with that specific organization and their own yes. context. Yeah, and then yeah, very, very clever. If it yeah. is at the end of the day, if they want to be successful in that role, obviously their goal is to make that lead number of sales and everything translating into their language. And I give them a little bit of examples and then and i say do you think would this work would this uh work to give it a try and then taking their reflections because is sometimes they have things that are holding in them as well that they don't want to open up and maybe that is the point they say that you know what and then something that comes up as a trigger uh maybe they are biased and then, then we talk about it a little bit more. Why do we think that is? Rather than um, asking like uh, closed-ended questions, we always ask open-ended questions to them to get an understanding the underlying uh, blockage on their, um, you know, mindset of like why they are thinking this way. Because there must be a reasonable way as well that we would like to see. Uh, if this is a blockage for one person, maybe it's a blockage for another person as well. But linking it to their purpose, targets, whatever the numbers, either sales, leads and everything makes a huge uh, impact to change the overall perspective. Setting up that context where you are uh, connecting what you do to the outcomes is one of the bigger challenges for developer relations as well. So. <laughs> oh really so do you do you talk about that in in your book um i i, I do yes yeah. yes uh-huh and well developer advocates here whoever listening and i think you can be that person who impacts the other people as an inclusive leader as well and never underestimate your influence in the organization because sometimes we don't know the power of our stories how yeah. impactful um our leadership one decision one common goal can uh have in the organization or in the team doesn't really matter because i used to think um richard that leadership and especially if you are new in the organization is nothing to do with you because you don't manage people yet you don't yeah. maybe work in large organizations yet but it is actually making an impact and change a perspective pursuing a common goal and influencing other people to join you in, on this journey. So that is the definition of leadership by Bill George. I absolutely love it. And in his book, Authentic Leadership is something I highly recommend anybody to uh, read as well. So it's all about it. If you want to make, see one change, 
bring people together uh, through that change with you, that you authentically become the leader of that change. And let's be that leader. Let's be that inclusive leader we want to see today. So that is, and, and, yeah, that's incredibly inspiring <laughs> uh, <laughs> vision, uh, which is a good place actually to to draw things to a conclusion since we've pretty much run out of time. Um, yeah, and it's it's and I mean, as a general rule, you know, be the change you want to see. Uh, but it's also kind of part of the developer advocate job as well is 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 literally to make change happen. So uh, it's even more even more of an attribute that you need to exercise when you're doing developer relations. Um, I don't often just say, oh, you know, go out and buy stuff. But I, I think that for a lot of developer advocates, your book uh, is going to offer an, uh, a, a useful perspective on an aspect of their job that is a little bit under, uh, there's not enough attention paid to it, I think. There's an awareness, but the practice uh and, and being mindful of it and actually making it happen and understanding the power of your role when you get up on stage and you are a public advocate within a company um you know you can make it you can make a lot of change uh oh yes inclusive inclusive intelligence right inclusive yeah. intelligence yes and uh, anybody who would like to connect with me on linkedin as well i'm so happy to connect and uh, see your journey in this as well once we are connected awesome. it's easy to 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 watch and uh, thank you so much for this kind uh, invitation richard again and a lovely podcast thank you very much for can it is uh, it was great to have you on and uh, I am going to go. <laughs> I should have done it beforehand, of course, to do my research, but um, I am now going to go and actually get your book and read it. <laughs> so that I know myself what I'm talking about. Um, Fantastic. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.